-hmm. It's more of a market environment, but it is this block party event. It is this event where people can come out and meet their neighbors and have dinner and then get their groceries for the weekend. The sun is shining and crowds of people are enjoying the sights, smells, and sounds of the market. Market days are one of my favorite things about summer, and they're essential in creating vibrant spaces for locals and tourists alike to come together and celebrate local products and services. Of course, not every market day is filled with sunshine and unicorns. Oh yes, the farmer's market's natural predators, rain and wind. They're lurking behind every cloud, threatening to put a damper on our celebrations. This week's guests are no strangers to the trials and tribulations of farmer's markets. Owen Peterson is the owner and head baker at Prairie Mill Bread Company, and Kirsta Frankie is the market director for both the 124th Street and French Quarter Grand Markets here in Edmonton. Listen in as we talk about the upcoming Grand Taste Tour, which is a great opportunity to visit and experience some local farms firsthand, and I might have gotten Owen a little bit too excited with my suggestion of farmer's market beer gardens. It's another two full servings of fresh fruits and veggies coming your way right now on Off Menu. Given that you both depend heavily on farmer's markets being busy for your income, uh, what percentage of every week would you say you spend stressing out uh, uh, stressing out about or cursing at the weather? Oh, wow. I, I watch the weather from, yeah, May long weekend to Thanksgiving way closer than any time in the winter. Uh, as soon as May long hits, uh, yeah, I have multiple weather apps because none of them are accurate, <laughs> yeah, let's be totally. honest. So I don't like what this one's saying. I'm going to switch to the other my, right? Yeah, I hedge my bets. But the, for the, the longer I've been in markets, the more I know that weather, especially in a, in, in a big city, we have, uh, it, it can be so, like, spot. you can have a it's small like little storm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, pockets of storms, exactly. Yeah. So I, I now... I'm less nervous to bake a lot. You know, there's very few days that I actually don't sell anything, you know. Right, yeah. Y- you, you usually sell a lot, even if it rains a bit. And rains last 10 minutes and they're gone, but yeah. I still watch. And I there's watch still people lot. that do come out in the rain. It's just, you know, when there's an extreme weather issue, what what <laughs> is defined as extreme <laughs> weather, you know, if there's tents flying all over the street or, um, or if it's just like a little storm and a sprinkle and, you know, people are still coming out, right? So, right. But, but like Owen said, I, I watch photo like the radar the weather radar religiously and i have five different apps on my phone too and it's just like every market day you're checking like an hourly update and you're making sure you're like following josh clausen on (laughs) twitter and you're just you know you're trying to keep as up to date as possible so you don't want your vendors to have to sacrifice a full day of of selling something right you know given you're the market director um, you're the one who's gonna have to pull the plug right absolutely it's gonna cost some people some money it costs people money because you know we're rain snow or shine market especially in an Alberta climate you never know what you're going to get and you know in three I guess sorry in five years in five seasons we've closed down three times which is pretty remarkable given the weather that we do have but I mean this season has been you know pretty tumultuous already too so I know mm-hmm. that a lot of people are, are struggling with that whether you're a vendor or a market director or you know any kind of outdoor event I think it's yeah yeah, it's not good news for anybody when you have to shut it down, right? Mm-hmm. How does that affect how much you got to bake? Because, uh, I mean, obviously bread is pretty perishable. If you're making 500 loaves, oh, well, 50, yeah, that's it's trouble. Like the, the, for, as an example, this last Saturday for uh, the city market, which is my biggest market for the week, um, I sold about um, 
just over half of what I usually sell on a sunny day. So you, you bake, I, I baked a little bit less, but um, yeah, I, I went home with a lot of bread because so it poured rain. Were you watching the weather on Friday night and just saying to yourself, okay, I'm going to cut back a little bit because well, it looks like it's going to be ugly tomorrow? Thursday night, because I bake mostly on Fridays. We bake all day Friday just to prepare for the Saturday market. So okay. yeah, you're watching Thursday and hoping and, you know, there's a few Twitter accounts I don't listen to anymore because they, mm-hmm. <laughs> they exaggerate. <laughs> and then You have some good stories about extreme weather in the markets? Ah, well, with me, I mean, learning is, like, the biggest thing. And in the first season, I remember um, I was too afraid to call a really bad weather day and, you know, too prideful and just didn't want to, like, have to close it up. And so I had, you know, someone who was, you know, a maker but not there selling their product. They had someone else there selling it for them, and they just drove up through the alleyway, and they were just angry so mad at me and they were just like what are you doing like I've been in the market industry you know two decades why aren't you bloody calling this and it's just like <laughs> oh man okay now I feel really bad yeah safety yeah. first I guess safety but that's first. a fine line between uh, you know yeah. pulling a plug on somebody's yeah. Thursday night income yeah. too right and I think you have a harder job than any vendor because yeah. the vendors on the one hand you know yeah I may bake a lot in, in my experience you know mm-hmm. or my situation I bake a lot and then I get rained out and I don't sell anything I've lost a bit of money but you have like 30 to 50 people mm-hmm. yelling at you. Mm-hmm. Oh, and any tornadoes in your past? Well, I no tornadoes, <laughs> but the, the number one threat I've experienced in my years at market has been the wind. And the, the rain will come. Great, everything gets wet. The hail comes. I've, I've been on the street where hail is coming down, like big hail and, and whatever. It is what it is. That is short-lived. But when the wind comes and your tent flips upside down and you... I have, I have lunged, and I am not a big jumper, like jumped in the air to try to catch my tent to pull it back down when it has full steel weights on each yeah. corner. It's, it's quite intense yeah. when the wind picks up. Yeah. So I, I have had my tent flip over, yeah. luckily never damaging or hurting anybody. But Just last week, we had this massive 20 by 20 tent pick up. and lift up about 20 feet in the air and then perfectly land in the mech parking lot that was adjacent (laughs) to our site. That's terrifying. (laughs) It's terrifying, right? No one was hurt or anything like that, but just how it picked up perfectly and then just landed perfectly was so crazy to me. So we don't allow people to set up now if they don't have weights. Like, it's just a no-go. Sorry. Smart move. (laughs) Sorry, you just can't. I'm picturing that situation, you know, just as a consumer who doesn't have to worry about where all this stuff lands. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's one part, it's quite entertaining to watch. Yeah. And the other part, you're kind of horrified for someone watching all their stuff fly off their table and their tent yeah. flying away. Um, but the situation you're describing kind of seems a lot like, uh, you know, somebody rips your sweats down in gym class in high right. school and you're standing yeah. there like the look what on your face happened? would be the same, I think. Yeah, exactly. You know what? Somebody so, should have a booth at the market and in selling uh, kites shaped like farmer's market tents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. It seems like they go like crazy. Mm-hmm, oh, definitely. yeah. Farmers markets are pretty heavily focused on food, obviously, um, and increasingly ones, on anyway. yeah the mm-hmm. good ones too. Yeah, that's the right. Real good ones. So, a lot of it happens to be food that you can eat on site now. That seems to be something that's gaining in popularity. You know, mm-hmm. farmers market never used to really have a whole lot of food you're just going to go and eat on site. It's all just to take home, right? And now, it seems like the focus on food to eat there is kind of growing. How do you end the day actually bringing in more money than you're spending? Well, that's a, that's a great question, and I think that just to back up from that question is that the value added foods are 
more popular because of the like the revenue the the profit margins on something ready to eat are way bigger than your raw product uh, because way less people are cooking I feel um, you know nobody blinks an eye and this is maybe this is my own bias I'm gonna just mm-hmm. speak from my own experience but nobody blinks an eye at spending eight dollars on a sandwich or nine dollars on a sandwich but everybody will gawk at a six dollar loaf of bread that will make you 20 sandwiches so there's this this dis not a disconnect it's just their priorities people's where they want to put their money mm-hmm. and value added ready to go ready to eat products they sell and they mm-hmm. go quick um, which is great I'm not yeah it's it's great mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's probably good to be beside the guys who are selling you know all the ready-made foods too because while they're waiting in line they can kind of sure. take a look at your product if they're not aware of it too I yeah. guess and and, mm-hmm. and that goes into your your sales uh, abilities as well because I watch a lot of vendors and I've noticed with me if I have a down day and I'm not energetic I'll sell less but if I'm energetic and I'm pulling people into my booth that are standing in line waiting for their hot dog I'm gonna I'm gonna sell more bread mm-hmm. if I am more engaged in pulling people in and just telling them about my product and sampling um, than if I don't because people aren't necessarily gonna go out of their way to buy the raw right. ingredients for a sandwich they're just gonna buy the sandwich that's there and, mm-hmm. yeah. there's a difference between I think there's a couple different types of market goers oh, yes um, I don't want to you know put them into little <laughs> Pockets, I but, do. Okay, yeah. well, we can we can go with that if you want to. But, I mean, you know, there's the people who come just to eat the food, you know, from the food trucks or, or the ready-made foods that you're talking about. There's the, the folks that come um, just because they like the environment. They like to be able to get out and talk to their neighbors. And maybe they're not buying a whole lot, but they're really engaging with the atmosphere that you've created. And then there's the, you know, the, the really heavy-duty, like... I'm only here to buy my fresh produce for the week and my bread for the week mm-hmm. and I'm out of here. Like they have tunnel vision and they're not hitting up mm-hmm. those food trucks. They're not hitting up the ready-made right. fooders, right? So, and they're yeah. usually the people who come early, they come with their bag, you know, you yeah. can just see them mm-hmm. a mile away coming. But um, yeah, I think that the, the ready-made food thing has really blown up even when we started five years ago and we kind of recognized that there was a niche there to fill and so we've never really also pigeonholed ourselves into like a farmer's market Mm -hmm. it's more of a market environment but it is this block party event it is this event where people can come out and meet their neighbors and have dinner and then get their groceries for the weekend you know we're not there just to be like hey fill your fridge with everything from the farmer's market because we understand that there needs to be a delicate complement with that right like financially you can't always afford every single thing that you get from the farmer's market and you mentioned the food trucks which yeah um you know to me are a big part of of the 124th street market for Mm -hmm. sure Mm -hmm. i mean my wife and i go that's our thursday summer date night is we go down and eat at the food (laughs) trucks and we wander around the market Mm -hmm. um how big of a role have they played in the success of that market in particular we've had the same truck since year one and those those trucks have helped us to grow a demographic and we realize how important they are um, being there. And they all are doing something really different from each other too, which complements um, a lot. And I would say that we realized also in the beginning that they were a really strong marketing tool because they're out there oh, on yeah, the street. Sure. They're your biggest word of mouth. And you know, so to be able to have them advocating for what we're doing was super huge. At the very base, the markets um, are community builders and if Mm -hmm. you aren't creating a community in your market you're not going to bring in the people that is going to create revenue for the vendors that's going to keep the vendors coming you know Mm -hmm. it's that big circle and food trucks are 
they pull people in. So if, even if people come down just to eat supper or have a meal with a food truck and they buy one product from another vendor, mm-hmm. it's worth it. So economically, it is, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah and it does. At the same time, it's all about working together and it's all about that synergy. So you have your anchor vendors and, you know, I would say our food trucks are like pretty strong anchors, you know, to pull the regular food truck crowd in. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we have our anchors for our produce vendors and then we have our anchors for our, our big good followers. So there's a really good eclectic mix of people there and it's it's built this animated community. It really has. So thanks. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> when we were talking about the different types of customers that come to, to markets. <laughs> yeah. um, you mentioned something that kind of stood out to me and I wanted to kind of maybe run it by Owen and see what he thought about it. All right. Um, you were talking about the, ven- the the people that go to certain vendors and this is what they do. It's like, it's like clockwork. They always go to the same ones. They mm-hmm. just run in, they grab two or three things from their vendors they always go to. Do you think it's difficult to get someone to try a new vendor? If you're a new vendor at a market, is it is it hard to get that person to try it for the first time? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, on a food level, it's about sampling. Costco knows this. This is why Costco samples tons of stuff. Mm. This is, they just, it's no pressure. It's not pressure sales. You just you just hand over a sample and people try it. So I know a lot of the customers that I've built up over the years that are those business, mm-hmm. like they're, they're grocery right. shoppers, period. They I got them because I sampled and I was friendly. Mm-hmm. So they were willing to try something. And then once I hooked them, like they have that incredible sense of loyalty, those right. kind of customers. And they know what they like. And if they like mm-hmm. something, that's it. You've got them as a, as a really good customer. So mm-hmm. I don't find them hard to get. But I, um, and they are definitely my favorite customers because if you stay consistent, they stay consistent. And it's, mm-hmm. it's this beautiful relationship. If you totally mess it up. Uh, it's nice. It plagues like, you with guilt yeah. for years, but <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice to have a segment of your sales that you know you can kind of count oh, yeah. on, yeah. right? Yeah. At least you know what you need to bring, yeah. somewhat. You might have twenty percent of your traffic always being consistently the same people week after week, and it's about that eighty percent that you have to try and engage in some sort of form. And sampling is the biggest and greatest way to for do sure. that. But not everybody is open to sampling. Not everybody wants to sample, and not everybody cares mm-hmm. to sample. And I, again, I'm using Moonshine Donuts as an example mm-hmm. here. They don't sample, no. but they sell out every single market, and it's because they have this like art piece of donuts on their table, <laughs> and like beautiful. it's not even like crazily merchandised yeah. in any sort of way. It's very simple, and like they're very colorful, and you know they're not like going outside of their booth to try and get customers, and yeah. customers are lining up, you know, five, ten deep to just. To but get sometimes the stuff. aesthetics are good enough on yeah. a product oh, totally. that you already know it's going to yeah. be good yeah. just yeah. by looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if the, it's not good, you're not going to buy it twice. Yeah. My customers that I know are going to show up every single week for my my regular products, my staple products, they're the ones that are going to get the perks at my booth. Right. So if people are out there wanting to get the specialty stuff, you're not, for me anyway, I, people don't get the, the specialty, the hidden away warm loaf of bread in the back or the, the specialty something to the first time customers. Right. They get them to those regulars who, hey, do you want to get, you want to try this? I just made this. It's still warm or, or mm-hmm. something along those lines, those are the customers that benefit from the perks of being, uh, having a really good customer. Because they've invested in you They've invested, product, yeah, right? for yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, you get to know each other a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, one of the nice advantages you get, usually yeah. at farmer's markets, you get to talk to whoever's mm-hmm. making the stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's not just a clerk at Safeway that you're buying from, it's yeah. usually it's a baker. Yeah. It's nice. That's why they're so magical. 
You know what? Um, Good word. I like it. Magical. Yeah. Given that you were in that sexy man of Yegg food calendar, oh I was kind gosh, of curious when you way. said perks. Ooh, oh, stop. Geez. Go on. Yeah. I thought, what kind of perks are we talking about? Oh. Come on. <laughs> All right, serious note now. Okay. Uh, one of the most common voiced barriers to shopping in a farmer's market is cost. And I know, Kirsty, you had mentioned that already, that uh, that's an issue for sure. What would you say to someone who who says something like, you know, why would I buy something for $5 a pound here when I can go and get it at Safeway for $3 a pound? What's the, what's the answer to that? I think it hits uh, home what you just said about the fact that you get to talk to someone who actually made that or grow that. There's a benefit to your local economy directly happening there. So um, you're helping that prosper in a lot of different ways. You're helping someone who, you know, might be a first generation farmer in their 20s or mid 20s, you know, grow into a large farm and maybe become a multi-generational farmer. Those are the things that we need to the seeds we need to start sowing today in so many words because there's a lot of talented people up there out there and yes they have to sell their products at a higher price point because they put a lot more into it than you would um you know in, in a large-scale agribusiness world i would say um having that face-to-face -face interaction getting to know your growers is i think worth its weight in gold but that's just me and i'm a little bit biased so <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that I think the root of that is is community. I'm sure somebody has said it more eloquently than me, but it, whoever you are, it doesn't matter what you call it, the tribe or the community or the brotherhood or the sisterhood or whatever you want to call it, everybody has a community. And when you invest in a food community, um, I really think that's one of the really base levels mm -hmm. of communities mm -hmm. um, because those makers turn into you know not just farmers market sellers as well they turn into your brick and mortars just because they're there and they're selling the product at a, a higher price point doesn't mean that that's not going to return into you know a higher yield of what they're going to do in the future i i've always believed that if everybody took even 10 percent of their of their food uh budget and spent it locally mm -hmm it would disrupt the food system. It would dis it would change it. So if everybody, I'm not saying everybody should go 100% farmer's market. Oh, I'm saying it. I'm just You are, it. you are. I'm just saying. do it, everyone. 100%. Get to the farmer's markets and buy as locally as possible. If you don't no, know your totally. farmer, don't eat it. Don't eat it, yeah, I know, No, right? and you know what? We don't want to be preachy either. It's at the exactly. same time. But 10%, that, you know, that isn't a huge thing. But mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like a huge thing, but the impact that you would have on your local economy would be incredible yeah. it would be huge and you're, you're you're investing in your community yeah. as well you, yeah. you know you buy that cauliflower you're you're investing in so much more than just a financial transaction mm -hmm. it's yeah. a really big picture thing yeah. why, do you, why do you think the markets have gained in popularity popularity so much in the last few years like it just seems like there's been a real explosion of markets in Edmonton seems like it but I mean we think that, you know, they, there's been this big explosion, but maybe it's just the fact that um, people are more vocal about it because they're the channels to be vocal about it on. And, right. um, you know, people have been supporting farmer's markets since the beginning of time, since Bob is in their pies and their pierogies out in Smoky Lake, you know? Mm -hmm. that, um, but I think every little kind of community, in my mind, this would be the perfect Edmonton, is if every community had their own market, that contributes to that that community building that we're talking about and so I think the more the merrier the more community gardens we can have the more community yeah. markets we can have I think that that's great yeah 
what she said. <laughs> well said, Owen. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that kind of begs the question, like, does a, there's always that argument, um, local versus organic. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious as market vendors and market bosses, mm-hmm. um, where you come out on the local versus organic thing. Oh man, I think that's two different questions. And I think they're grouped in the same pile a lot because local is a, is somewhat of a, I I think it's really strongly economical, but it's also a philosophical reason. You know, a lot of people shop locally for philosophical reasons or shop organically for philosophical reasons, but there's a big separation. And I'm a big, in my, all my market experience, I would say this to customers is buyer beware like you really have to be that the whole relationship thing is important because it's such a simple transaction that a lot of people can bring a lot of dishonesty at markets. Like, and that's the downside of markets is there can be some dishonesty there. Mm. So it's, um, it's what you're invested in. So if you're invested in only local, <clears throat> then you can shop only local. If you want to shop only organic, shop only organic, but they're not the same thing mm-hmm. at all. The Organic Box is a great champion for organic food in our city, um, but they don't necessarily always source locally. They try and source as local as possible first, but, you know, they go outside. Yeah. It's uh, They work with a really good complement of what's going on globally and locally. All right, I'm going to lighten it up sure. a little bit here. Okay. I got four <laughs> words for you. Okay. <laughs> I got four words for you. Farmer's Market Beer Garden. Oh. oh, why? Why only in a garden? Oh. Why not? Why can't you just walk down the market with a beer? Just yeah. be like the greatest patio in town. I 100% agree with you. Funny thing is that we've tried. We've tried. Hmm. We really have tried. There's, um, I, I, I truly believe that there's very little <laughs> logic that goes behind the rules and regulations on alcohol in Alberta. It is so much leftover prohibition uh, mentalities that mm-hmm. are not based in uh, alcohol fact around the world. In my opinion, there's no reason why there shouldn't be, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, markets I think, being I think open. With the explosion of breweries in mm-hmm. Alberta as well, like mm-hmm. that just is a perfect <clears throat> compliment. I mean, why can't you work with a brewery locally mm-hmm. as a farmer's market? You actually can. It was approved by AGLC <laughs> last year that brewers, uh, microbrewers and micro distillers can sell now at farmer's markets like the uh, micro, the wineries. So why can't uh, you drink that open air <clears throat> walking through the market while you're shopping for your bread? If I could give <laughs> everybody, all of my customers a glass of beer before. Uh, before they dr- they bought, they yeah. would buy three loads of bread instead of yeah. one. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah, so you give them two so glasses of beer, and then beer. you go. Oh, by the way, I'm selling sales farms. would sales would go away. <laughs> Drinking beer is a great marketing tool. Also, agreed, agreed, yeah, yeah. agreed. So more beer gardens at farmers markets. More people. beer gardens. And whoever yeah. can do it, whoever's the first one to do it, I give you big kudos. Yeah, so. I want to get to something that that one two four market does that uh, I haven't really seen any other markets in town do before. And that's the Grand Taste Tour. I was lucky enough to help Ooh. host that last year, and it was mm. really, really fun. So, uh, you gonna people, come up, come with us this year? If the invite's open, I'll be the there. It's open, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe just give us a, a little rundown on what that is, in case somebody hasn't heard about it before. Yeah. So like this, Owen, like okay, me, I've never so... heard of this before. <laughs> <laughs> the Grand Taste Tour is simply put a perfect marriage between 
friendship, uh, <laughs> friendship, food, and meeting your farmer. So it's really knowing about what it takes to bring food to the table. This year we're working with uh, Frank Olson of Canteen, and we're going to be having a, a massive barn dinner at Tangle Ridge Ranch, which is a um, pretty remarkable ranch, just about 45 minutes away from the city. Uh, we work with Taste Alberta every year on this project. So it's basically about exposing, you know, different facets of the industry to a lot of people who have no clue what's, you know, mm -hmm. what's going on. So um, this year we're going to be at Bricks and Berries U-Pick Farm. We're going to be going to Tangle Ridge Ranch, as I said. Uh, Canteen's going to be cooking tickets just to do the tour and not do the dinner are 50 bucks. So you can come out and we take you on a bus. And it's a lot of fun. You get to meet a lot of new friends. And it's pretty animated with hosts like Phil Wilson on the bus and, and Robin. Um, you know, we play games as we go to each different spot. And you kind of tour and explore a different piece of agriculture wherever you go. So whether it's, you know, Alberta poultry, Alberta pork, canola, wheat, there's so many different facets to it. And then we end with a really beautifully prepared meal from all of the different farms that we visited that day. I that thought you guys were just like a little weekday market. Yeah, Grand Taste Tour is something that we're super passionate about. Just like our Little Beans program is about educating people on where their food comes from. Plain and simple. So um, so 50 bucks gets you just to tour around. We're doing like a really fun like little farmed bag lunch if you're just coming on that tour. And then the secondary tour is $100 and that includes the full tour and dinner and drinks back at the back at the Tangle Ridge barn. Wow. So tickets you can find on Eventbrite or you can check out our website 124pinmarket.com. Mm. I'll put a link to that in the show notes too so if Please. anyone's looking they can find that. Please do, yeah. And if the meal at the end is even remotely <laughs> close to as good as last year's, Daniel Costa from Corso 32, mm. holy smokes. He, over, he outdid himself. But um, yeah, I think that Frank is going to do something remarkably different too, but it's going to be absolutely of the same quality. <laughs> All right, popcorn round. So it's uh, if you haven't heard before, it's just a series of rapid fire questions and you know, somewhat <laughs> rapid fire answers. If I was to look in your fridge right now, what's the weirdest thing I'd find? <laughs> I can't say that. Uh, you have something really weird in your I fridge. I do. Yeah. I do have something real weird. Um, I would say that I have five different jars of pickled things. And I know that that's not probably weird, but I'm addicted to pickles, and I just like need a different complement of pickles for everything that I It have. may not be particularly weird, but yeah. it, it's that's definitely more than the average. Yeah. I would, Owen? Yeah. I don't know if there's anything very weird. My sourdough starter, she's yeah. in there. If you don't know what it is, that might be probably weird. Probably smells real perfumey. <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't, yeah. I haven't talked to her for a while, yeah. so she's... Yeah, that's... Do you have a phobia? <laughs> I have a phobia of not being liked. Oh, really? You're so likable, So deep. Though. Oh, You're my gosh. You're so likable. <laughs> You're fishing for compliments. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, I have a pretty intense phobia of mascots and puppets. I've never been to Disneyland for that reason. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Never had the pure joy of Disneyland in my life. <laughs> not the happiest place on earth. <laughs> no. There's gotta not be for better. you, for sure. No, not for yeah. me. Tater tots or french fries? Tater tots. French fries. Tater tots. French fries. They're like, they're like so... Actually, wait, can I, can I do an interesting... You know those crisscross fries? Oh. Um, Waffle fries? Waffle fries. All the way. Boy. That wasn't one of the choices, though. That was. <laughs> I do. I do appreciate the waffle fry, but tater tots. I gotta say, are a staple in my house. One for tots, for... one for fries. Yeah. Uh, what's your drink of choice? Old fashioned. Uh, I love gin, so I would say anything with gin in it. 
Elderberry Collins. I like an Elderberry Collins. There we go. And there's something I'm going to look up after this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's your Monopoly piece? Oh, God. The symbol. <laughs> nobody picks the thimble. I'm always the thimble. No, uh, nobody's the thimble. I'm always the nobody's thimble because the I can thimble. hang out with it on my hand if I'm not like. It's supposed to be on the board. board. Yeah, I know, but when I usually we had family monopoly nights and I'd always lose, <laughs> and then I'd end up like holding the thimble on my hand and playing with it. Because my brother always wanted the dog, even though I wanted the dog. So we never had a dog, but he got it because he was the cool child. The dog is where it's at. You're learning a lot about my psychological life. It's true. Really past right now. Oh, a lot of psychological. <laughs> yeah. um, the hat. Oh, that's yes, a good hat. one. I liked it. It's symmetrical. That also Two had a hole answers. in the top that you could... Yeah. Another one you can wear on your finger. Yeah, exactly. Another, it's true. <laughs> what show are you currently watching on Netflix? I just finished Bloodline Season 2. and Already? Yeah. Wow. Well, I watched Bloodline Season 1 and waited forever for it to come out. So, Bloodline all the way. Yeah. I just keep looping through Archer. Oh, that's a good <laughs> one, yeah. Get to the end, start I again. I can't stop. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. What's your favorite smell? Butter and sugar cooking together. Ooh. Ooh, lilacs. Love them. Oh, Springtime, springtime Edmonton lilacs, yeah. What's your guilty food pleasure? Oh, and you might have uh, already answered this with tots. Yeah, it's definitely tater tots. Is it really? Covered, covered in ketchup or oh. sriracha. I just, yeah. Mm. Sugar. Faux. <laughs> I eat it all the time. I eat noodles and soup all the time. Like, addicted to it. Nice. Yeah. The secret to a happy life is having a fridge full of really interesting things to eat. I think it's uh, just water under the bridge. So, and do you mix it with anything? Things. Mix with a little whiskey. Yeah. No, just stuff. Yeah. Stuff Let goes, it go. That's stuff goes by. There's more water coming. There's it, that whole philosophy is key. I think. I like that. All right, great job. Uh, maybe just quickly let the listeners know where we can find your two markets and where we can find Prairie Mill Bread. So you can find us Thursday evenings, 4 to 8 p.m. on 102nd Avenue and 124th Street, up until October at the 124 Grand Market, or on Sunday afternoons from 11 to 3 at the La Cité Francophone Cultural Center with the French Quarter Grand Market uh, until October as well and uh, we're there. But just check out our website because we have so much stuff going on there all the time. We also run events like Grand Taste Tour where you can find those tickets. So uh, 124grandmarket.com. Uh, you can find me in the summertime at, on Wednesday evenings at the Terwilliger uh, Farmer's Market, uh, which is a really great market down in the suburbs. And you can also find me Saturdays downtown on 104th Street at uh, the City Market. Thanks again to Kirsta and Owen for hanging out with me today, and don't forget to check the show notes at baconhound.com for the links. Music for Off Menu provided by Mrs. Glass. Do you have a topic you'd like me to explore on Off Menu, or maybe a guest that you'd like to hear? Shoot me an email at offmenupodcast at gmail.com, and maybe it'll be featured in an upcoming episode. Until then, don't forget, life's too short to eat shitty food.